All right, we'll go ahead and get started. This is our panel discussion, uh, and what this is going to consist of is basically me throwing uh, the mic out to the audience, and you guys uh, can uh, ask these guys questions. Do y'all want to take just a second and introduce yourselves and what your background in ministry is? Sure, sure. Yeah, okay. Brian, is this going to be a problem with us right here? Um, yeah. Maybe if we gets too, uh, yeah, too much, we'll get... Uh, my name is R.J. Cadizon. I'm the youth minister with the uh, Crossings Church uh, over there in Woodsville, just outside of St. Louis. I've been the uh, youth minister there for uh, since '04, since we started, and uh, that's kind of my history back uh, with uh, the ministry that I've been a part of. Uh, I oversee the junior high ministry and the high school ministry, and between the two, there's uh, maybe around 90 different uh, kids throughout both ministries, and about 20. Uh, different uh, youth leaders underneath me who help serve within uh, that community. He, uh, one of the things he didn't tell you about the youth ministry too is it's, it's a cool thing and not to intrude on his stuff, but, uh, out of the youth ministry that RJ and Ashley and our youth leaders all work with, uh, there are just like a handful, like probably four or five, maybe six students whose parents, uh, are Christians and have been Christians who've grown up kind of in the church or church kids or whatever. The rest have, uh, been one from the world and so, and several of the ones, uh, have actually converted their families, which is a really cool thing to see, uh, take place. But anyway, uh, I'm Carrie, and uh, I work with campus ministry. I've been doing it. It was 20 years I've been doing college ministry in January. And so uh, I started out in Southern Illinois, Southern Illinois at uh, SIUE, and then we went and planted a church over in Wentzville in 2004 and started a campus ministry there with about four students or so. And uh, so it's uh, it's been an exciting journey to see uh, take place over the years, and that's kind of my experience. And what he didn't tell you is when someone asks you, <laughs> that's kind of how it's going to be. When someone, who do I get to talk about? Somebody asks you uh, who is the best campus minister, who would you hire if you could hire anybody? Kerry Cox is the single best campus minister in the United States. Well, anywhere that I know of campus ministries. Uh, I'm Lynn Stringfellow. I'm the campus minister at Park Plaza. I oversee the three ministry plants at, at, at Park Plaza. Uh, when we started out at Park Plaza, there was one, uh, there was a campus minister there who was look, working with the University of Tulsa and Tulsa only. They had about 20 students in the ministry. When we took over in that ministry, um, we probably lost all but two or three that was in that ministry. And now the ministry has uh, somewhere around 60, 65 students in it and we're growing. Uh, everybody in that ministry, our people has been saved from the world. We now have ministries on three campuses. Rogers State University here in Claremore, University of Tulsa here in Tulsa, and TCC, Tulsa Community College here in Tulsa. And what he didn't tell you is they're growing through baptisms and, and reaching his, lost people. Uh, all of the ministries up here are growing uh, through reaching lost people. And his wife is out of his league. He didn't tell you that either. Yeah. So um, you've got some some good experience up here uh, in these guys uh, in terms of evangelistic ministry and making disciples and carrying out the Great Commission. We're just going to throw it out to you, and if you would, just raise your hand if you've got a question. I'm going to bring you the mic so we can uh, get this on the recording. Um, so we'll let the Jeopardy music start now. Brian, can you cue that up? I'd like to hear from each of you guys what's really working well for you in your context to reach people for Christ and help disciple them, just briefly. I guess since I introduced myself first, I'll be getting the nudges to go first as well for that one. Um, 
Well, I guess uh, there's a variety of different things that we try to do uh, in regards to reaching the lost and being attractive to the youth. I think one of the big problems that um, I, guess, I shouldn't say maybe a problem, but a, a concern that we're always trying to pay attention to is what's going to be attractive to the youth and to the lost. Uh, when you think of that, you're dealing with kids who have come from unchurched backgrounds or who have very poor perceptions of what it means to have a relationship with God or even being obedient to the Word of God. So you, you have to adjust your techniques to be able to reach out to them. Um, in today's you know world, as far as the youth goes, uh, you know, the millennials, I guess, are very uh, technologically savvy. They're involved in their phones. They're involved with uh, social media. They interact in different ways than maybe you and I would interact, you know, with our peers. So you have to reach to that level to be able to be attractive to them. So uh, what we focus on is uh, um, events to where they're exciting and fun for the youth to, to want to become uh, a part of and be involved in. We also have, we also have uh, cross chats. We call them cross chats. It's a small group Bible study every week. And there are six, eight, Eight, eight of them throughout the St. Louis metro area uh, every week on Wednesday nights and one on Tuesday night. So uh, the big push is for events and attractions and opportunities for the kids to have a good time where they can be safe and also hear God's word. Uh, and that's maybe one of the big focuses that we have to uh, try to reach that community of lost kids and also being a, a presence on their campuses, letting them know that there is an opportunity to have a good time on a Friday, Saturday night or a weeknight without having to get drunk and sleep around and do drugs and have sex and, and party and, and have, uh, you know, do all the things that would lead them away from a relationship with God. And we definitely try to focus on that with our events and with our reach out. Um, I think for us, one of the things I think is perception is a problem. And I think that for a lot of churches, they're looking and because our churches are growing older and graying and kind of dying out in a lot of ways, I think that people look at the younger generation and they think they don't want church or they don't want a relationship with God. And I don't think that could be farther from the truth. I think they don't want what we've made church to be. Um, and I think the first thing that has helped us in, uh, maybe reaching a younger generation is we have to meet them where they're at and they want, they want authenticity. They want you to be real. They don't want you to, uh, they've never been around people who are going to push them and help them become something more in a lot of cases. And so I think they just want something real and something different and something they've never seen before. And they're not going to do church the way we expect them to do church. And so we have to meet them where they're at. And, uh, for us, we do some very similar things. Our, so our youth ministries at the crossings and our campus ministry and our adult ministry, they pretty much have a seamless, uh, integration that takes place because we do a lot of things the same way. Um, at the, ch- at the church, whether you're in the college ministry, adult ministry, team ministry, you're going to see uh, a funnel effect. We're going to have a larger crowd event type thing that's going to drive like where we get a lot of people to come in. You know, you look at Jesus ministry, same kind of concept. You, I'm sure you guys have heard of that funnel concept before, but these big events, and then we bring them into what already is talking about with cross chats, you know, we get them, meet them in an event and, and things like that. And, you know, invite them to this and they come to cross chat and cross chat is 
is not a bi- I wouldn't describe it as a Bible study. And RJ doesn't have any church roots, so he uh, he would describe it as that. But it's different than a normal Bible study. We don't get into doctrinal issues, and not because we don't think doctrine is uh, important, because we actually think it's very important. Churches have called us liberal in the past, but if they would actually look at our doctrine, they would actually say we're a very conservative church in a lot of ways. But uh, we don't get into doctrinal issues. We're not going to bicker and fight about things that don't matter. They're very applicable com- concepts at CrossChat. It's things that they're dealing with, and how do you go? How do you deal with these things that you're facing life? For instance, we do a series. We did a series called Baggage. And a lot of these kids have a lot of baggage, hurts, habits, hangups in their lives from their past. And we talk about how does God take that. And we talked about the first week was baggage that uh, someone else put on you that you've been carrying. The next week was baggage that you picked up that you can let go of. And, you know, and, and so it's kind of we're trying to reach them in in a very serious way without being um, – too deep in a sense because they don't understand a lot of the deeper things but we try to just come at them on their level and that really helps and the big events and things like that are nice and I, if you were to talk to people from our campus ministry I know there's a few of them over here I don't know how many of you guys this first event was a big event some of them probably were but some of them were also their first event was probably cross chat um, and so uh, the thing that we're doing better to reach people than anything else is holding each other accountable to going out and doing the great commission like our students, they understand that's their job on campus, and we try to make it clear to them, listen, going to college is awesome, and a great benefit of going to college is you get an education. That's a benefit of going to college, but you're really there to fulfill the Great Commission, just like you are at any other point in your life. That's what your job is. That's what your main focus is, is to please God and to reach people, and so they go in there with that mindset, so they're constantly inviting uh, people to things, and it, it would be... I think it would be a rarity to go on to our campuses and and ask someone if they've ever heard of cross chat and them to say no. Like I would be you that would be a shocking thing for me to find many people who had never heard of it because they're very it's very personal for them. In our ministry here in Tulsa, the only thing I, that I might see that be a little bit different uh, is because we have three universities right here local, and well, we actually have more, and we're getting ready to look at planning another one on on two more different campuses here in town, but. With the three that we have, what we do is we create a team that all works together in the church and from the church, and that team develops um, a community, uh, a community of people that love each other, love and care and lift up each other, and they all have the same mission. And the mission is that we're going to take those those campuses, that various campuses we work on, they are our target. They are our mission field. They're taught that that's our mission field. We're going to as a team, go and attack the mission field and go out onto the field. We don't hold an event and go invite people to come to the event where we are. We hold the event where they are and so that we are actually going into their environment, which is the same thing they do. We're going into their environment holding their event. I've had people talk to me and ask me about, well, you know, we heard about y'all doing root beer kegger, so we tried a root beer kegger, and it just didn't work. So where would you hold it? Well, at the church building, and we, and we did this, we did that. before They, they don't even need to explain anything else. They, they held it at their church building. It's the same thing, putting a sign up on your church and saying, come visit us. you got to go where they are. Uh, and that, I guess that's the biggest difference. We have a mission. We have a mission field. We train our people to go into the mission field. And it's, there's a lot more to it than that, but I think that begins to answer your question.
and I do think what Lynn is saying is very important. It's uh, you, you do have to meet them right where they're at. Like our students spend a lot of time on campus. They do a lot of stuff on campus. We try to be actively engaged in campus culture. You know, we go we go to sporting events and we go there and we wear our shirts that say RCM. We have pink ones for the pink out games. We have black and gold shirts that say RCM Hearts the Lions. And when we go, we make a scene. Uh, and we do that because not because it's so much fun to be at the game sometimes, but really we do that because we want the university and the students to know that we love and care about them we're interested in what they're doing what's going on in their lives and we get calls from coaches asking us to come to their events and and you know and and it just opens a door for us to be right there with the students where they're at you know get eyeball to eyeball with them say hey why don't you come check out cross chat why don't you come to church sunday with us why don't you go out with us and do this and and a lot of it most of the evangelism that takes place is just very relational and uh you know it's just real friendship they develop friendships with people, and people are like, man, I've never seen. And they watch our groups, like Lynn said, you know, a loving community. All the time we hear people say, I've never seen people treat each other the way you guys do. I've never seen people love this hard in my life. And it, and it, they're attracted to that, which is a, an awesome thing. Well, Lynn knows something about this. I'm from uh, Singing Oaks Church in Denton, and um, we, too, have three universities in town that we deal with and a large number of college students. We've had a presence on the uh, University of North Texas campus for over 30 years. We have a facility there. I'd like for you to just talk a little bit about um, some of the pitfalls and, you know, there's ups and downs this thing and and, and our, I have to be honest and say that our our ministry to college students has been geared toward more toward the old, what we call the Bible Chair program for many years ago and it evolved to, since they kind of froze us off campus for that, um, you know that. So the situation is is that we didn't go as evangelistic outreach as we should. It became more of a glorified um, extension of our youth ministry, I will say, for a nicer thing to say about it. So talk about some of the pitfalls or some of the things we can expect if we're going to try to turn this to an evangelistic outreach program and how beneficial or how lack of important is it to have a physical presence on a university campus for i.e. a building when our congregation our church building is across town and do I'm, i'm asking you a lot but cover these things and tell us about do you get your the majority of your college students to come to a worship service at a local church building church of christ building on sunday morning sometime or sometime during that time I think that all makes sense. And uh, so we're 26 miles from our the main campus that we work with. And uh, so that's, you know, a decent drive. And then we haven't, we actually work with two campuses. And I, right now we have more students probably at SCA. I'm looking over there. So yeah, we have more students at SCA right now. Uh, which is our community college than we do at Lindenwood. And uh, some of that is due to the fact of the pitfalls you're talking about. So uh, one of the things that I think that churches are going to have to come to grips with is the fact that we think that if we play nice, everyone's going to like us. And we live in a world that says, oh, if you were acting like Jesus, no one would have a problem with what you're doing. Well, the issue with that is, is they put him on a cross. So, you know, that one of the major pitfalls of campus ministry in general, and especially evangelistic campus ministry, is you're going to make people angry. Because things that we teach run so contrary to what 
universities teach. Universities tend to have a very, very liberal slant, and you probably understand that. So whenever you're talking and you call homosexuality a sin, boom, you've created yourself a huge pitfall. Whenever you start telling people they shouldn't be sleeping with their boyfriend or girlfriend, you've created a problem. When you tell the frat guys they shouldn't be going out and getting hammered on the weekends down on Main Street, you've created a pitfall. And so very quickly, not because of something you're doing wrong, you get labeled as controlling and all kinds of things because you're trying to teach people what the Bible actually says, and they twist it just like they did with Jesus and people, and it causes you all kinds of issues. So when you start being evangelistic, I think you you're gonna you should expect to have trouble right in this world we're gonna have troubles jesus said look they they didn't like me they're gonna hate you like they they hated me first and so those are some of the major pitfalls that you face and i think if any time that we uh have campus ministries on campus and nothing is being said about them something's probably wrong uh with the way that we're approaching that we do we do have them come out we have about 125 college students around there on Sunday mornings that drive from the universities out to our church on Sunday mornings they're there for our second service we our building's not big enough to hold everybody so we do a 9am and 11am so of course they come to the 11am uh but we also do cross chats and we do five different cross chats on Tuesday nights uh for instance at the beginning of the semester we might start with 20 uh disciples 20 Christians at our house for a cross chat at the beginning of the semester by the end of the semester, sometimes we've had upwards of high 50s at my house before, cramming 50-some college kids in, and then you still have four other cross-chats going on. And so I would say it is it is common during the week by the end of a semester to have 150 or so college students going to cross-chat every week. And then our church plant, we planted a church last August in University City, and they're within a 10 minutes drive of Washington University in St. Louis, St. Louis University, uh, Fontbonne University of Missouri, St. Louis. So they have, you know, 60 some thousand students at their disposal as well. And they're doing the same thing over there. Um, but you know, those are just some of, some of the pitfalls you face. And then another thing is we're dealing with a generation and, and they know this cause I've been pretty hard on some of them about these things, but we're dealing with a generation that does not like to be told no. And when you tell them, no, they, they feel like you're judging them and what you're telling them. And so you, we, it's a lot of work to break through this idea that telling someone something is right or something is wrong is not hateful. It's loving when it's in, when it comes from Christ, because you're trying to help them avoid. So th- you just create all kinds of pitfalls with those things. And it, it can be difficult. Uh, we have ride issues all the time, uh, you know, and, and our youth ministry is the same. Like our college students have crushed on Tuesday night. And then a lot of them help give rides to the youth ministry because they have people coming from Ferguson, Missouri, which is probably 40 minutes to their cross chats. And so it, there's a lot of pitfalls, you know, when you're reaching a, a wide area also that we run into. For us, another major pitfall of being the kind of church we are, if we're running about 500 on a Sunday morning and then you take into consideration that probably 300 of those people are 22 years of age and younger when you include all of your children in your children's ministry, how do you run a church where such a small percentage of people are able to really give? Our college students give, but when you don't have much to give from, you're in trouble, right? So running ministries with nothing sometimes, especially over a spread out area, that creates budget pitfalls for us. Um, I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of pitfalls, I guess, that you run into. But I don't know if I answer it, hit all of them. He also asked about having a building on campus. So we don't have a building on campus. Uh, 
I used to work for the university before some of the pitfalls that we talked about we ran into, and I resigned my position at the at the university. And um, it it was nice being there, but in general, whenever we look, you look across the country at. Uh, evangelistically effective campus ministries, they don't have a place on campus. And I believe the reason for that is, and I I can't necessarily, I don't have any data to prove this. I think Christian students going to their Christian house on campus and they're comfortable there and they're safe there. And so they lock themselves away there. And, and it's hard. Yeah. And so it's hard to, um, how do you break that cycle? You know, if you could teach your students to be purposeful, it could be good if they're going to use it with purpose and use it for the loss, but if they're going to use it as their hangout spot, then it can be detrimental. Yeah, I think having, having a location on campus, I, I'm going to have to operate up from just what I think because I've never had that situation. Everywhere I've been, when I was in Tampa, Florida, we were 22 miles from campus. Um, when I first got there, I thought, oh, how in the world are we ever going to get anybody to church? We're so far. We're so far away. We never had a problem with people getting to church. What I learned real quick was everybody on that campus either has a car or they have a, their roommate has a car. They've all got rides and they're all going somewhere. They're not staying on that campus. As soon as Friday night hits, they're in their cars and they're gone. So, But we never had any trouble getting them there. Here in Tulsa, we're not also not having any trouble with kids getting to campus. We're, all three of our campuses are in Tulsa, so they're never more than 15 minutes away. But still, 15 minutes, everybody thinks that's way too far away from campus. We don't have any transportation issues with people coming to church, um, none whatsoever. As far as having a building on church, I, I mean, building on campus, I know for me it would it would end up being a problem. I would end up being in the building, thinking I've got to do things here in the building. I've got to, even with all my understanding, all my training, all my knowledge, I know I would eventually get comfortable and end up in a holy huddle, and it just. It just, if you have have one and you don't have a minister that you can't keep focused on, get out of that building and get on campus and do the work, you're going to end up with a campus ministry that doesn't work. I think our research shows, if I remember right, uh, the 2006 research, and you might share that better than I could. Yeah, we had a series of biannual studies we did over about six years, um, which we're actually, Carrie and I are going to be talking about in the next session in this room. Um, but one of the findings we had, we did uh, surveys and, and a national study um, of most of the Church of Christ campus ministries. I think that uh, 07, 08 year, we surveyed like 74. Um, and we found that the ministries that were reaching the most number of students uh, consistently over time did not have a campus house. And uh, I think most of their activity was taking place like in the student center among the student body and they weren't limited by their campus house. But at the same time, those students are those, those ministries that were reaching the most students said they would love to have a campus house uh, because they would use it for all kinds of things. So I don't think it's a bad thing to have one. I just don't think it's, uh, you know, kind of what we concluded is it's, it's not a bad thing to have one, but uh, be careful that you're not getting stuck in it. And make sure you're using it uh, the way it could be used and that you don't just, you know, hide hide in the walls, so to speak. Um, also, we've got another panel member that was taking care of a baby that was actually supposed to be sitting up there. But this is Donnie. You want to come go up there? This is Donnie Dillon. He's a Here's for Christ. Uh, he's also a CMU board member. Um, and so we're going to insert him so he can give you some feedback as well. Uh, who else has a question out here? 
I just wanted to answer that question really quickly as well. We have a building. I'm with Gators for Christ, uh, University City Church of Christ, ministering to the University of Florida. We're three and a half miles away. And like Lynn said earlier, if students want to be there, it's not a problem. We have we have 80 to 90 students show up every Sunday morning and Wednesday night for worship or more. Sometimes we've been upwards this past semester to 100 plus on Wednesdays and Sundays. Uh, and uh, we ask our students to help pick up other students on campus that don't have a ride. Uh, and again, if they want to get there, they'll travel three and a half miles, and they're all there pretty consistently. Um, we have another Church of Christ that's right on campus, and they have about 15 to 20 students uh, that come to their group regularly. So there's a, we're further away, yet we're bringing more students in because we're sharing the truth and not to say the other uh, church isn't, but we're really trying to minister to these students, and we ask them not to come without filling up their car or bringing other students with them, being very intentional and purposeful in outreach and evangelism. If I can add one thing before we move on to that. So one of the things that we found, and this might give a little clarity to it too. So we, we, we have tried to do cross chats on campus before and it did not work. Uh, and we tried to, and, and there are, we've actually had to have them at the church building before. It doesn't work. Uh, students want to get off of campus they want to get away from the norm of what they're doing. They like going to a home. They like sitting in a couch. They like when we do cross chats. We have tons of food. Our students prepare the food. They give everybody the rides, and we come in and we eat. And it's a very at home feeling at cross chat. And I think students get so sick of being stuck in a dorm room and being stuck on campus and seeing the same scenery all the time. Sometimes when you're like, "Hey, you want to go to cross chat?" It's you know, it's down the road a ways, but you know, we're gonna go over to this guy's house. They're like, "House? Yeah, let's go get me out of here." Like you know, anything they can to get off campus at times uh, is something that can be really good. Absolutely. Does anybody else out there got a question? Just raise your hand. One right here. Um, I guess my question is like. Uh, I'm not on campus. I'm not a, a. I'm not an online student. I don't have any classes. I'm. I only go on campus when we go on campus, which is kind of sporadic. And it seems like a lot of the people that I know in in our ministry, they don't go to any of the campuses either. Um, but we're still we're still bringing people. Um, we're still. I guess we're just being creative about it. But is there? I don't know what we need to do to to be more effective on the campuses we're actually trying to minister to. That goes back to what I was talking about earlier about how we use the university campus as our mission field. That's our having a mission field, having a purpose attracts people like you to the ministry because they want to be a part of something. And we end up growing from my experience, we end up growing bigger from the people we're drawing from than we do ultimately from all that we're drawing from on the campus. We end up drawing on the campus, especially as we get large enough as a group to have a large enough team going out there. But it seems like having a mission itself is the bigger draw than where the mission field ends up being, if that makes sense. I'm not sure I'm explaining it the way that it makes sense to you. And I think a lot of it comes down to being intentional people. You're not going to reach people without being intentional about it. I know I have I have students who take online classes or evening classes, and the evening classes tend to be full of young adults rather than college students. That doesn't mean they're not going to reach out in their evening classes, but they understand if they want to reach college students, they've got to find a way to get on campus. And so they will get a membership to this campus gym, and they will go up and play basketball or do their workouts there, or they will you know go have lunch on campus if they work during the day. They'll go have their lunch up on campus in the 
the cafeteria just in order to meet. And a lot of this really does have to do with you have to you have to get them to internalize this and it has to be something they adopt for themselves to where they're like, I'm going to be on campus because I'm going to reach people there. So I'm going to go there. I'm going to find a way to be there and I'm going to find a way to meet college students no matter what I do. I'm going to find a way to get my foot in the door and I'm going to reach people. And if you don't have that kind of intent, you're probably not going to reach college students. Yeah, 20% of our students uh, in Gators for Christ are are taking online classes, and I find them to be some of the most effective students in reaching out to others because they have the most time, and they're not tied in with a lot of other things on campus. Uh, So it's really good in having them being intentional, uh, like uh, Carrie was saying, uh, in order to reach out to students. So they come into my office and say, how can I be put to work even more? And I'm like, let's let's find some ways to get you out there and and since you have more time on your hands. Is it a pro or a con to have church kids in part of your ministry in other words can you turn them and use them because when you first start out that might be all you've got for a while how do you use church kids to become effective in campus ministry okay i'm a church kid so um i was i feel like i'm a church kid but i'm not I grew up in a church in quite, in all honesty, that was a lot different than what I saw, like my family. Cause, like I said in the class before, my family on both sides for generations, they're Church of Christers, you know, so, but what I saw take place in a lot of their churches and what I saw take place in our church was different. I grew up being taught very specifically what you, this is about ministry. This is about reaching people. People are broken. They're hurting. They're lost. They need something more. I looked at my church. That's who it was full of. So for me growing up, I was very fortunate to have that ingrained within me. Uh, but we've run into a lot of issues when it comes to church kids because that doesn't tend to be the case. They tend to be people who they want to they want to have a traditional Church of Christ youth ministry only on, on a college campus. So really what they want to do is they want to go on Wednesday nights so that they can feel and go to a college Bible study and feel good about being there and then go do what they want the rest of the time. And that's a generalization. I'm not saying every student, you know, is that way, but that's what we've run into. And we've had church kids who have visited our ministry. Uh, they, they happen to go to the universities that we work on. So they come to check out our ministry more times than not. They choose not to be a part of our ministry. Actually, probably 95% of the time they end up not being a part of our ministry. They aren't used to accountability they are not used to being, uh, they're not used to being very, having, being a part of a purposeful ministry where people are going to be like, hey, hey, who are you reaching out to? Are you trying, you know, are you, are you sharing your faith? Are you, and they're not, they're not accustomed to those types of things. And so it makes them very uncomfortable. Now, that being said, we, we have had some church kids who, like, you know, we met Ashley Kennedy at CMU at, uh, Harding years ago. And when Ashley came, it was funny because Ashley had never been a part of a functioning church or ministry that was reaching anyone. And when she got there, and this kind of describes the, the attitude, I think sometimes she her within a month, she sat down with me and goes, we need to talk. And I said, okay. So she sits down with me and tells me all the things that we should be doing as a ministry. And I said, Ashley, have you ever, have you ever been a part of a ministry that was reaching people? No. Well, do you see people being reached here? Yes maybe you should sit here and learn what it takes to reach, reach a ministry before you want us to make all these changes because you're wanting us to make these changes based on what you're accustomed to, what you've grown up with, what your tradition says, which has shown and proven to be ineffective. 
and this is being effective. And Ashley sat there for a minute and she looked at me and I was like, and I was like, Ashley, if you want to be a part of this, that's awesome. If not, there are lots of ministries who do it exactly the way you're talking about. And you can be a part of those and we will love you and you're our sister in Christ, but we want to be a different type of ministry. And she sat there for a while and she goes, no, this is what I want. And she's been around for what, 10 years probably close to. And she's a part of our adult ministry now and helps with the ministry, uh, helping people, uh, lose weight. And she's, uh, you know, she's very involved in our church and she's, she loves people. She loves the law. She's changed a ton. So yeah, I think that, that it just has to do with whether or not they're willing to adopt to a different type of culture than what they might normally be used to, but it's rare except for in Donnie's case, actually Donnie, has a patience that I don't, so I'll let him explain how they do that. Uh, with the Gators for Christ, we have a really unique situation. It's mostly church kids that come into our ministry, uh, but I say, and a lot of them, there's a lot that don't stick because, like Harry was saying, there's a lot with that mentality of I just grew up in this in-reach youth group. Not to say all youth groups are like that. Obviously, not all of them are, but uh, a lot of them are, and and it's and with they come in with that mentality, they usually don't stick where they're, you know, they come one week and I don't see him again, uh, but others that want to be part of Christ's mission and the Great Commission uh, and really reaching out on the college campus and bringing others to know him and baptize others and bring lots of other students. Uh, the biggest thing that um, I've tried to do is really instill in those kids like him, his example with Ashley Kennedy, is giving them a sense of purpose and mission in what we're all supposed to be doing as Christians and really helping them see how to outreach and giving them an opportunity to be a servant leader within our ministry. Not putting them in a leadership position, but giving them, equipping them with an opportunity to work. Uh, if they take that opportunity, God can do great things to them. If they don't, well, like uh, Carrie said, they can go be part, be part of another ministry. We'll still love them. But uh, sadly enough, a lot of them just end up nowhere if they don't get plugged in. Working with the youth ministry, too, you know, um, uh, in in our church, when Carrie was talking about how there's a good connection and good flow from the high school ministry that that I oversee into the campus ministry that Carrie oversees and then further into the adult ministry uh, that, you know, Wes helps with and Brian helps with here. And if there's anybody else in here, maybe I'm missing it. But um, we have that good connection, that good flow. And, and I think for maybe a reason why the campus ministry uh, doesn't have to deal maybe so much with uh, the church kid mentality where there's not a lot of activity, not a lot of accountability uh, is because in our ministry from the, from the teenage years, even earlier on than that, the junior high years, and even in the elementary years, uh, there's a very purpose driven attitude that's driven into the children from the very beginning. So they know that to grow the ministry, the way God has commissioned all of us to grow the ministry. This is good ways to be able to do it. So the way that Carrie helps to do things on his campus ministry, exact same way that I try to teach our kids in the high school ministry. So they, when they leave, when the church kids leave the high school ministry, they're under the anticipation that they know it's time to dive into cross chats. It's time to dive into small groups. It's time to be involved on campus with the events and then funneling that back to the cross chats, but ultimately back to the church. You know, regardless of the distance away, you know, and, and that's kind of a good, um, uh, I guess, description of kind of the way we've tried to structure our student ministries at our congregation. So if you have an in-reach youth ministry 
and you're trying to put those kids into an outreach campus ministry, you're going to have a problem. So if you have that, you're going to have to adjust more than your campus ministry. You're going to have to adjust your youth ministry if you want those kids to stick around. Kids, the key there is if you want those kids to stick around. Let me go ahead and answer your question from a case study point of view. Uh, I trained and planned also campus ministries in our early days of our organization. We did that pretty quick and pretty fast uh, with some not so good results. Uh, for example, one of the places we planted a campus minister, he came to me and told me as he got hired on where he was going, he said, I'm going to be the one because I'm a church kid. Well, I was a church kid too, but he said, I'm a church kid and I love church kids. I don't know if he's implying I didn't, but anyway, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to be the guy that does it. I know none of the organizations have been able to do it. This time is what his input and thinking was. He said, but I'm the, I know how to do it because I grew up in it. I went off and left the church. I came back and made the turn. My, my, I'm going to be able to do that. I'm going down there, and I'm going to reach out to the church kids, and we're going to build this team that you're talking about. I know how to do it. We're going to do it. Well, the first year he was there, with, by the end of the first year, he's calling me going, I don't know what to do. Our ministries are shrinking. I can't get the church kids to do anything. I said, you've got to stop focusing on them, and you've got to start reaching, the, going out on the campus. Because he wasn't even going on campus. He was building. He was simply trying to build a team with the church kids that he had. He said, no, no, I can't, you know, I couldn't really. So anyway, to make a long story short, he tried this another year and he ended up getting fired because he never went out on campus and baptized anybody. Actually, by the time he did decide, I've got to do that to keep from getting fired, it was too late. He baptized a couple of people, but it was too late. Um, that was one case. The second case, basically, he did the exact same thing. He didn't say that's what he was going to do, but that's basically what he did. He went into what an existing campus ministry of 15 or 20 college students, all of them church kids. He went in trying his best to get them to, to, to operate and go and go and go. And he would constantly be calling for input and say, what do I do? What do I do? I can't get them to do this. I can't get them to do that. And I, my answer kept being the same. You've got to be the leader. You've got to go out on campus and you've got to baptize people. And those people that won't get involved, eventually either they will or they'll leave one or the other. You can't focus on them. We had this discussion probably, I don't know, I don't want to exaggerate, 20, 30 times. And he, he just kept trying and kept trying. It reached the point where the elders called me, wanted to, a recommendation for a campus minister to hire because they were getting ready to fire him. And instead, I talked him into sending him up to train with us for a three-month period and go back with a different focus because they loved him, they loved his family, but, they, but he wasn't doing what they wanted done. He came up, trained, this time decided I'm going back and not doing what I tried to do. I'm going back and doing what I'm trained to do. And now his ministry is flourishing. They're baptizing people and, and the elders are happy. Uh, because he stopped focusing on the kids that were there that wouldn't get involved in the mission and started going and doing the mission. I hope that answers your question, Tom. So you're, you're saying that you're teaching the kids to be intentional. You're teaching them to have a purpose. Do you have a specific curriculum that you use to do that? Or what is your method for instilling that in them if they've gone to church their whole lives without that? I think what Lynn is saying is the curriculum kind of. I don't, we don't, I don't think any of us have a set thing that we use per se. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you guys do. I don't know. We don't. 
Yeah. Well, we have a we we have Bible studies that we go through with people specifically that as we're studying with them, they're learning that. Uh, and one of the things that I would suggest is when you, when you if you go into a ministry that has kids already, you you go through those same things with them. Not not because you're trying to baptize them, you know, but because you want them to understand this is the mission, this is what it's about, this is what it looks like, and then they get to determine whether or not they're going to do that. But really. I think what Lynn said when he said is either they're going to get involved or they're going to leave the curriculum. I think is when you start reaching people and they start seeing lives changed and they start seeing a ministry that is, that is helping the hurting and the broken. If they don't look at that and their heart isn't isn't drawn to that, the the issue is deeper than them learning a different philosophy. The issue is a heart problem. And, and they're not going to get involved either way. But if they look at it and they're like, man, I've never seen people reach like this, then they're going to jump in. They're going to get involved and they're saying, I want to be a part of this. I want to reach people too. And I think that, uh, that the curriculum, I guess, for lack of a better term for us, is that we just train them in that as best we can. You know, we sit down, we have, we do small groups every Sunday. And, uh, well, now we just switched a little bit, but for we have small groups and then we get, I get with all the guys in my small group for breakfast once a morning my wife gets with her girls once in, and in that in those times we sit there and we talk about it and we talk about we talk about man you know what are you doing to reach people what are you doing to fulfill the great commission what are you doing to to find hurting and broken people okay well are they what you know if they're coming around what are you doing to kind of help them progress in their relationship with God are you studying with them where are you at in these studies what are you teaching them what are they you know are they making some changes and we walk them through how to actually do that step by step and we hold each other accountable for those things in in a sense of not not like you know how many people you know xyz like that kind of thing but saying hey are you loving the lost are you are you really getting out there and caring for people deeply how's that how's it showing up and if it's not showing up well then we need to look cuz the bible says that if you're if you're if you're a member of God's family if you're a disciple it's going to show some fruit do you have any fruit that you that you see in your life or you're really uh trying to reach people and and over time, you know, people are like, oh, man, and they start getting it and it starts clicking and they start changing and that's where it goes. But honestly, Donnie probably has <laughs> – Donnie works with more church kids than any of us do, I would say. Uh, and I'm amazed at what Donnie's been able to do because I, I've told Donnie this before and I've said it many times. And I think it's changed over the years. I don't know if it's the case necessarily. But when I first met Donnie, if I was the campus minister at his church, I would have been fired, like, quickly. And so Donnie has a patience and uh, – some things about his character that I that I need to adopt, but he does a really good job with it. So he may have some answers on that. Um, if you go to the Campus Ministry United website, campusministryunited.com, correct? Yeah. And uh, if you go to the website and if you click on resources, there's a resource called Seeking the Savior. And uh, what we've really trained our church kids to do, and all of our students to do that are Christians, is to. Uh, Look at that guide, and it's all straight scripture. A lot of it was developed by Robert Cox, Carrie's dad. And in the Seeking the Savior booklet, it really helps. Instead of me, if, I, if I'm just going to study with students on my own, I might baptize 10, 11 students by myself in a school year, like one a month or so. But if all of our students are doing it, we'll reach lots of students and baptize lots of students. So we're training our students to learn to do baptismal studies with others. And in that Seeking the Savior the guide, it it shows a student how to get to know God, what that looks like, what the Bible looks like, what getting to know Jesus looks like, repentance, uh, baptism, and counting the cost, and uh, and what being a true disciple looks like. So it really helps students look at it from a biblical standpoint, and it helps guide the students in guiding others by uh, just very easy. They can just look at the question, read the question to another student, and, and help them with that. Yeah, and there's a um, video curriculum to train 
everybody to use those Bible studies with people on the website. Um, so that's campusministryunited.com, free resources, seeking the Savior study guide. Uh, and that's freely available to whoever. Uh, we've got time for about one more question uh, with a brief answer. Okay. We do do a little bit of, of uh, curriculum with. We spend a lot of time making sure that we are uh, being very intentional and teaching them this intentionality. It's, and I'll take time in classes, pulling them together at times, and take classes to teach them specific things. For example, I'll use the parable of the soil, soil sower on a pretty regular basis with my students uh, to accomplish a number of different things. Sometimes I'm using that parable to explain to them and show them why they, you know, they reached out to this student and they baptized him and, and the guy kind of went away. And I, and I use that story to example them why, what happened, what happened that the guy went away. Even though we did a lot of discipling with them and trying to help them stick around and help them, Jesus said, you're going to lose 75% of them. We're not any better at it than Jesus is. It helps them uh, lose this mentality of they're doing something wrong when they recognize and they take this parable and understand it. Uh, so I'll use it and use it at different times to, to not for the point of saying, okay, let's change this part of, in the parable. Let's change this part and say, okay, it's being, it's in the weeds. And so we've got to do something about those weeds and pull the weeds out. We don't go there because if you go pull the weeds out, Jesus already told us what's going to happen there. So I, I don't go about changing the soil. I go about teaching them to stay after that 25% and discipling those that stick around and teaching them to be disciple makers themselves. Uh, do everything that Jesus taught us to do. So we do use parables like that fairly regularly to reinforce and, and reinforce that we are supposed to be. Uh, the parable of, of uh, I've lost it all of a sudden. It's everything's about sowing. I mean, every, everything's about producing fruit, fruit that will last. Like Vine and the branches store. That's another one we use pretty regularly. All right. Um, that's about all the time we've got for the panel. Uh, you guys give them a round of applause. Uh, we're going to be talking more nuts and bolts um, evangelistic ministry in the next session in here. We've got a lot of other great content, so just check your schedules. Uh, but thank you guys for being with us.